Welcome to episode 41 of Insects for Fun. I shouldn't be surprised that I've been able to keep this up for so long, but I am. Anyway, summer is officially in the air for many of us around the world. And I thought what a better way to ring in the season was something crazy. So here we are. This week we are talking about giant water bugs, also known as water scorpions, water roaches, toe biters, electric light bugs, and to Floridians, alligator ticks or alligator fleas. We'll get into some of the names later, but right now I want to get into some of the basics. Giant water bugs are a freshwater hemipteran in the family Bellostomatidae. In other words, they are indeed true bugs, as the name suggests, and include the largest true bug, period. The species which holds the Guinness World Record for largest water bug and therefore largest true bug goes to a South American species known as Lethoceris maximus. This giant water bug has a maximum length of around 4.5 inches, or 11.5 centimeters, and can be found in Venezuela and Brazil. But to be honest, I think there are larger individuals out there. Water bugs are found throughout the world, minus Europe and the poles. But as it turns out, most are found in the Neotropics, which explains why the largest comes from South America. These bugs, like other bugs, are hemimetabolists, which means they do not have a larval stage. These ones are also predators upon hatching, targeting anything they can get their raptorial arms on. In fact, water bugs can target prey that is 50 times their size. Yes, that includes fish, frogs, snakes, small birds, turtles, and even muskrats. They're basically an aquatic mantis. I actually have a personal story regarding this one. When I was a kid, I was collecting tadpoles one time to raise into frogs, and I had them in this big glass bowl with pond water, ponder as sediment, and plants. But over time, I felt like the number of tadpoles was decreasing, but I knew there's no way they would eat each other. Then one day, I saw the arms of a water scorpion come up out of the pond muck and grab a tadpole. After I saw that, I realized I had to remove it fast, or the rest of my frogs would be goners. Once I removed it, everything was fine. So if you're also collecting tadpoles, just make sure to check what you collect thoroughly, especially if you're netting stuff. How these bugs feed is by piercing prey with their stylet mouth and then sedating them with poisonous saliva, which turns the prey's insides into goop. They really are swamp monsters, or in this case, swamp vampires. I'm very glad we don't have anything like that capable of getting us because I don't think I could go swimming in reservoirs ever again. Some people have had the unfortunate experience of getting bit by these, and this is usually from stepping on one, and the bite is definitely unforgettable. I fortunately have avoided them so far so I can only speak for others, but it seems that the pain is extreme and will cause swelling, and this is where some of the names like toe biter and alligator tick come in. These bugs also have some crazy methods for staying underwater. One is to breathe air from a straw-like appendage on their abdomen. Think of Looney Tunes or something where the character is hiding underwater and breathing out of a straw. But this bug does it from its butt. Bruh. This is actually why sometimes you'll see them at an angle with the tip of their abdomen at the surface. That's not their only technique though. Giant water bugs will also store air bubbles under their wings and have that oxygen slowly diffuse into their body. And yeah, I did say wings, which brings us to where they get the name electric light bug. 
giant water bugs happen to be attracted to light. And because they are capable of flying, people can find them near light fixtures that you would otherwise never expect to see one. Water bugs will actually fly in search of new ponds or water sources when spawning. And this happens from spring through fall. In colder wintering places, these bugs bury themselves deep into the mud to escape freezing temperatures and they stay dormant until spring comes back again. The parental strategies for giant water bugs actually vary depending on the genus, but in both cases the males are always the one left with all the parental duties. You mean I have to do all this baby stuff myself? Female giant water bugs in the genus Bellostoma lay their eggs on the backs of males, and females in the genus Lethoceris lay their eggs on aquatic plants, and they both actually sabotage each other's eggs by removing them off whatever they're on and replacing them with their own. Talk about petty behavior. Meanwhile, males continue to do what they do best, which is making sure the eggs survive and hatch. The males even go as far as to fan the eggs using their legs to make sure they get adequate oxygen and water flow. So giant water bugs might not be the cutest things to exist or the most loved, but they do have a purpose, and that is to keep freshwater ecosystems in check. These big bugs are doing hard work in ponds, creeks, and other bodies of freshwater by controlling populations of mosquitoes, snails, mollusks, midges, and other critters that might have massive population booms if left untouched. They're also a relatively commonplace food source for people in Southeast Asia, where they can be eaten raw, fried, or cooked and boiled. In Thailand, they're referred to as ma lang dana and are caught using nets and light traps. It's also apparently a lot more common to get bit or attacked by these if you're wading in rice paddies. Who would have thought? Now this whole time, I've been talking about them as if they are the apex predator. But these bugs do have predators themselves. And it's kind of ironic actually, because their predators are larger animals of their prey, like birds, bass, and bullfrogs, for example. One of their best defenses is their natural ability to camouflage and quickly hide in mud or plants, which is why we often don't see them. And if that doesn't work, their second line of defense would be to play dead. But this is mostly an out of water tactic. For example, if we see one and pick it up or start messing with it, then it just feigns death to get us to move on. Probably works really well if a cat finds one, for example. Wait, before you skip or shut this podcast off, please consider rating it. It would really help the show a lot. Also, you could tell some friends and family. That works too. Now, if you are interested in the Instagram or Facebook, you can find those links in the episode description or the podcast description as well. Now, if you'd like to send me a listener request, you can do so through the Instagram or through the email address, which is insectsfordummies at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and you'll hear from me again next week.